Talking Birds. Made possible by the generous support of the Bird Watchers General Store. Orleans Cape Cod. BirdWatchersGeneralStore.com. By L.L. Bean. Inspiring you to get outdoors. LLBean.com. By Celestron. Offering binoculars and scopes for birders of all levels. Celestron.com. And by Birds and Beans Shade-Grown Bird-Friendly Coffee. Birdsandbeans.com. Good morning. Welcome to our show, number 668. Well, just before coming into the radio station building this morning, right out there in the parking lot, we heard this. Yeah, common raven. Right across the street, then flying right over us, and then taking a position way up high in a big white pine. That's a bird that's not all that common around here, so that was pretty cool to see. And speaking of uncommon, here's something uncommon in the behavior and accomplishment department. It's about Wisdom the Albatross. She's done it again. She's the Laysan Albatross on Midway Island, way out in the Pacific, who's famous because she's believed to have been born in 1951, and she is still laying eggs. We confirmed here in January that she had done it again, and now a couple of months later, we can report that Wisdom and her current mate, Akia Kamai, have welcomed their newest chick, hatching at Midway Atoll National Wildlife Refuge. Wisdom is believed to be the world's oldest wild bird, and she has been using the same nesting site at Midway since at least 1956, when she was first banded by late ornithologist Chan Robbins. She has hatched nearly three dozen chicks over her breeding lifetime, and she has just done it again at age 67. Well, what would it be like to not only see the birds visiting your backyard or neighborhood or favorite birding spot as they head north in spring, but to actually follow them in their northward migration? Well, our friend Dr. Bruce Beeler did exactly that. He joined us with updates here on our show during his trip, following the birds from the southern border of Texas to the forests of northern Ontario and across Canada. He told us then that he'd write a book about his adventure, and he has done exactly that. It's called North on the Wing, Travels with the Songbird Migration of Spring. And Bruce will be with us this morning to tell us about his journey and his fascinating new book. I have to know that this is a, a bird that uh, Bruce saw, among many, many, many others, on his uh, journey north. And it is our mystery bird uh, this morning. And this is a preview of our mystery bird contest. We'll kind of give the signal to call in a little bit later in the show to identify this small marsh dweller with a triangular body shape in what the Cornell Lab folks describe as a deep rear end. It has a mostly slate gray body with a brownish back and tail, a short yellow bill and a black face. Our bird breeds across most of the U.S. and Canada, winters across the southern states and down into Central and South America and feeds on seeds and aquatic insects. That's our mystery bird. That's a preview of our upcoming mystery bird contest. Extra, extra, read all about it. Here are some of the stories and videos we have for you on our Facebook page this week. 
These tropical hummingbirds make cricket-like sounds that other birds can't hear. Kind of weird, maybe, but the folks at phys.org, that's P-H-Y-S, have figured this out, and we'll link you to uh, their explanation. How the Porta Potty Owl Project is saving birds from a dirty demise. The Boise National Forest's Cascade Ranger District to the restroom rescue. And our man Mike O'Connor explains why we sometimes hear the month of May's dawn chorus well before the month of May. If you're digging out from the snow right now, reading this story might just warm your heart, maybe even your fingers and toes. And that's some of what we have for you on our Facebook page right now. You can find some of those stories, too, online if you're not a Facebook follower. Well, our Talking Birds Make Your Own Swag contest continues unabated, featuring our little earth-friendly Talking Birds iron-on patches. Attach a patch to a hat, a shirt, a jacket, or anything else where an iron can be safely used, or you can sew them on if you prefer. Once you've made some customized swag, take a photo of yourself or a friend wearing it and email the photo to us. Here at Talkin' Birds, Ray at TalkinBirds.com would be the address. We're choosing a favorite photo every week for a couple of months and sending out prizes, including bird books and field guides and the amazing Birdscape's pop-up bird song display book with stereo recordings of dozens of favorite bird species. And everyone who sends in a make-your-own-swag photo will be eligible in the grand prize drawing for Celestron Hummingbird Micro Spotting Scope. This week's winner is... Ed Mayer from Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. There's for Ed. Ed is a man of mystery in the picture he sent with his binoculars obscuring his handsome face. But we see that Talking Birds patch very clearly displayed on Ed's hat. We'll be sending Ed a beautiful bird book from our beautiful bird book collection. And he's also eligible, as is everyone, who sends in a swag photo for that Celestron micro-spotting scope grand prize. If you'd like a patch, just request one by email to ray at talkingbirds.com. We'll send you one or several, if you like, along with complete contest instructions. Entry deadline April 15th. Meanwhile, we are so grateful for all the wonderful Talking Birds ambassadors signing up here to spread the word about our show and about birds and conservation. Our newest ambassadors, Janice Tolman from Grand Rapids, Michigan. Thank you so much, Janice, for becoming a Talking Birds ambassador. And thanks to Ezekiel Smith from Leesport, Pennsylvania. He says he just found our podcast the other week and has been burning through archived episodes. Says he likes the info and the casual atmosphere and the sense of community on our show. That's really nice. And he says he's already been spreading the word among some online birder friends and family and figured he'd expand upon that and make things official. Glad you did. Thank you so much, Ezekiel. So, Talking Birds listeners, we hope you'll join Ezekiel and Janice and many others in our Talking Birds Ambassadors program. Hand out some info cards about the show to your friends and associates. Spread the word about the show and about birds and conservation. Easy to do, easy to sign up for. Just click on the contact button at TalkingBirds.com and choose the Become an Ambassador option. Still to come on our show today, an amazing journey following the spring songbird migration from Texas to Ontario and then east. We'll talk to Dr. Bruce Beeler about his journey by car and kayak and bicycle. Plus, we'll catch up with our man Mike O'Connor in our Let's Ask Mike segment about the flicker dance. 
And up next, a catch of color from the cab of a pickup truck introduces today's featured feathered friend presented by Birdwatching Magazine. For more than a quarter century, Birdwatching has been North America's premier magazine about wild birds and birding. You're dressed up warm and looking for birds on a late March afternoon. The fields are still mostly gray and brown, and you're hoping they'll green up soon. Then there's a flash of bluest blue, and you know right away. An eastern bluebird has come along to brighten up the day. One morning when I was riding in my old pickup truck, a beautiful bluebird came flying. Thank you, Neil Young. Well, here in the East, the Eastern Bluebird is certainly on many folks' lists of favorite birds, just as the Western and Mountain Bluebirds are out West. The Eastern Bluebird can be found year-round from Central Texas to Southern New England and up into the Dakotas and Northern Maine in summer. The male of the species is famously distinguished by its rich blue coloring on the head, back, wings, and tail in a bright reddish-brown chest. The female is a more subdued gray-blue with a duller chest. Both are whitish on the belly and under the tail. We almost lost this bird as populations declined, especially in the 60s, thanks in large part to aggressive competitors like European starlings and house sparrows imported from Europe by well-intentioned but misguided humans. But we can thank some of our fellow humans for helping to reverse the effects of past mistakes by bringing back the bluebirds through the creation of nest box campaigns and bluebird trails. The eastern bluebird is now described as common and increasing in eastern North America. Look for eastern bluebirds in open spaces like parks and orchards, large lawns and clear-cut areas as they drop down from perches to feed on insects and small fruits. And we'll be watching in early spring for the male's nest demonstration display in which he tries to attract a female by bringing nest material to the nest box opening and waving his wings while perched above it. Now the song and some calls of the Eastern Bluebird. Cyalia Cyalis, the eastern bluebird, may be brightening a gray landscape near you and serving as today's Talkin' Birds featured feathered friend. Like a Oh, we don't have gray skies here, but it's really cold, about 19 degrees here, I think, this morning on the south shore of Massachusetts. Here on our show, number 668. Dr. Bruce Beeler is an ornithologist, research associate from the Bird Division of the Smithsonian Institution's National Museum of Natural History, author of numerous books, including his latest, North on the Wing, travels with the songbird 
Migration of Spring. And he joins us on the phone right now to tell us about it. Good morning, Bruce. Ray, good morning. Great to talk to you again. Well, it's great to talk to you. I guess the last time we did talk was when you were on your journey north, starting there at the southern border of Texas. What a trip. Tell us uh, about your inspiration uh, for the trip, Bruce. Well, of course, love of birds, <laughs> just like you. Um, being able to spend as much time outside with the birds. When I was a youngster, I fell in love with uh, woodpeckers. Back in 1958, I saw a red-bellied woodpecker, and it changed my life. Uh, and it's been, uh, everything's been better ever since. My mom read to me uh, from a book by Edwin Way Teal called North with the Spring, which was published in 1951. And she read bits of me, bits of that to me and my brother uh, before we went to bed at night. And uh, we were in love with nature and birds at the time. And that really, the story of Edwin Way Teal's trip from South Florida up into northern New England following spring and following spring migration really inspired me. And when I retired uh, from my professional work a few years back, I decided, what the heck? Why don't I knock off Edwin Way Teal's project and do that again and see what it's like? Well, you did a little bit different trip than he did in, in, uh, in terms of the, the, the geography of it, but also you did some other things differently. And there's a, there's a little description on page 18 of the book. Uh, Bruce, maybe you could just read that for us to paint that picture. Or sure, I'd be happy to. As I planned my journey, I knew I would travel in very different circumstances than the Teals did on their 1947 trip. While they had stayed in roadside motels, I camped out in a tent every night. This not only saved a bundle of money, but also kept me connected to the birds. I carried a two-burner gas stove and a cooler stocked with food, only occasionally eating in restaurants and instead dining al fresco at my campsites. The Teals had traveled through a world without interstate highways, Walmarts, Japanese SUVs, or East Coast suburban sprawl. I experienced phenomenon unknown to the Teals as I traveled through a world of declining rural towns in the Deep South and Rust Belt cities in the North, bringing along my high-tech handheld devices that they had never dreamed of. But we were both in search of the same thing, spring's annual march through wild America. Yeah, beautiful picture. And Bruce, you really uh, had uh, some specific things in mind and the kind of birds that you were looking for to kind of record as you went along, right? Well, you know, when you think of spring, you think of migrant warblers, mm -hmm. wood warblers. You know, there are about 100 warblers that live in the world, of these neotropical ones, and about 50 live in the United States. And of those, about 37 live from the Mississippi eastward, and those are the ones that we like to think about a lot. So mm -hmm. I made it as a sort of informal campaign to try to find and see and hear each one of those 37 wood warblers on its breeding habitat mm -hmm. between Louisiana sorry, between the Texas and Louisiana, north up into Ontario. And you really brought to bear, and we, we can really take a lesson from this for those of us who need to work on our birding by ear skills. What a difference it makes as you were able to do to be able to identify birds that you hear. You're certainly not always able to see those even that you do hear. Again, and especially for the wood warblers, mm. they're small. They love the canopy of forest trees. They're hard to see, but they're fantastic songsters. And they, each one of them, you know, especially the males, have a wonderful nuptial song. And they have calls, too, as well as flight notes. 
So they can be identified by sound in lots of different ways. And for birders like you and me, it really pays to be able to learn these different uh, sounds that they make. And you know, even if you want to see the bird, being able to hear it first, it gives you a head start of how to track it down. But if you're not able to distinguish all those different sounds out in the forest, it makes it a heck of a lot harder to find that particular bird you're looking for. Mm-hmm. And as much as you concentrated on birds, uh, Bruce, you really didn't leave out the, the flora aspect of the journey. I think fans of botany would really enjoy your book. Well, y- to travel from southeast Texas, where Lady Bird Johnson, you remember, spread wildflowers far and wide, up the Mississippi, which is a wonderful, long, sinuous green space, and into Canada to the Great North Woods. The, the, these, the green spaces in America, all the different species of trees and wildflowers and shrubs and things like that, it's just fantastic. And, of course, it makes, it creates those habitats that the birds that we're chasing love so much. I wonder if you can relate one or two surprises that you may have encountered on the way, things you really didn't expect. Sure. Um, You know, I started, I I, I sort of hung out on the coast of Texas waiting for the migrants to arrive from across the Gulf of Mexico. And uh, we had persistent northwest winds, which keep the birds from coming across. So I basically killing time looking at all sorts of different birds. And there I got my first um, uh, glaucous gull on the Texas coast of all places. I hunted for Glaucus gulls in the 1970s at Plum Island and Newburyport and along the coast of Massachusetts to no effect. And I happened to see one down in the coast of Texas. And on the opposite end, up in northernmost Ontario, as far as I could drive northward on a little lake, I came upon a big flock, I said big flock, a flock of 10 or so American white pelicans, which I think of again as a southern bird. Mm-hmm. And they were up there, on, actually on their breeding habitat up in northern uh, Ontario. Quite mm-hmm. a remarkable thing. And spectacular. Seeing those birds take off from a li- little boreal lake is quite something. An amazing journey. And Bruce, you even found some places that you might scout out for retirement locations. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Um, you know, what I found on this trip, basically every place I, I, I stopped and saw and spent time with and met the people, at, I fell in love with. One in particular, St. Francisville, Louisiana, mm. which is just a little bit north of Baton Rouge, which is the capital of Louisiana. And this is right on the east bank uh, of the Mississippi, is one of the most beautiful towns in America. And yes... I would love to have a place there in St. Francisville, Louisiana. It's mm. a spectacular place. Lots of favorite things uh, for me in this uh, in this book, Bruce. My favorites, though, on page 218 <laughs> and 226, uh, when you talk about calling into the Talking Birds show. So thank you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, it was a great pleasure and an honor for me to be able to do that on the trip. Bruce Beeler is the author of this great new book, North on the Wing, Travels with the Songbird migration of spring it is terrific and good luck with it bruce and thanks for being on with us again thank you ray it's been great coming up it's our mystery bird contest here in just one minute Talking Birds, we're for the birds. And we want to say thanks to another Talking Birds ambassador who's helping to spread the word about birds and conservation. My name is Jeremy Schwartz, and I'm from Seattle, Washington. 
one of the places I hand out the Talking Birds Ambassador cards is at work. I've really found that my coworkers are really enthusiastic about my interest in birds, and being able to share something as simple as a radio show or podcast about birds is something I'm glad to be able to do. Talking Birds listeners, we hope you'll become a Talking Birds Ambassador. Just visit our website, TalkingBirds.com, click on the contact button, and then choose the Become an Ambassador option. We'll send you some info cards to hand out to your friends and neighbors. That's the contact button at TalkingBirds.com. And thanks. Our Mystery Bird Contest is sponsored by Audubon Park Wild Bird Food. Look for Audubon Park next time you're buying food for your backyard birds and you're eligible to win here on our show. If you haven't been a winner in the past six months, don't forget you can hear our show live Sunday mornings, 9.30 to 10 Eastern uh, with an online connection. Go to TalkingBirds.com for the details and on how to do that. It's very easy to do. And this morning's Mystery Bird sounds like this. It's a small marsh dweller with a triangular body shape, what the Cornell Lab folks describe as a deep rear end. It has a mostly slate gray body with a brownish back and tail and a short yellow bill and a black face. Breeds across most of the U.S. and Canada. Feeds on seeds and aquatic insects. Prizes. Oh, yes, a droll Yankees double suet feeder with heavy gauge wire that holds up for years of use. Plus... Audubon Park, Songbird Selections, No Mess Patio, and a five-and-a-half-pound big bag of that beautiful bird food. Plus, a download to your iOS device or online access to the LarkWire app, the app that makes learning bird sounds a game. All of those are prizes uh, on this morning's show on the Mystery Bird Contest, 781-837-4900. 781-837-4900. Do call us as soon as you can. Meanwhile, we're heading to Cape Cod to talk with Mike O'Connor about the flicker dance. Let's ask Mike live in just one minute. It ain't easy being wild. People try to help birds, but they don't always know the best way. Well, the folks at Audubon Park Wild Bird Food can help with their bird feeding do's and don'ts. Great tips on attracting and feeding birds and helping them survive and thrive. Audubon Park is celebrating 60 years as a family-owned business providing food safety certified products. Find Audubon Park's bird feeding do's and don'ts at audubonpark.com. That's audubonpark.com. And click on Better for Birds. Now a word from our friends at Birdwatching Magazine. For over a quarter century, Birdwatching Magazine has been North America's premier magazine about wild birds and birding. Whether you enjoy birds in your own backyard or far afield, You'll find information in every issue to help you find, attract, identify, and understand birds. Regular contributors include Ken Kaufman, David Sibley, Pete Dunn, Laura Erickson, and other birding experts. Learn more at birdwatchingdaily.com. Cape Cod, Massachusetts is the destination. Mike O'Connor is the subject interviewee, and I believe he's on the line with us right now from sunny and warm Cape Cod. Good morning, Mike. Hey, Ray, and you know, I, I know you've been on the radio a long time, but how many times have you used the phrase deep rear end in your conversations on the radio? Yeah, we actually have a department uh, where we list all the times that we've said that. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, I was gonna, well, I guess that would be a first, yeah. Yeah, yeah. That, that's a good one. I like that. I'm going to have to try to work that into my conversation today. Yeah, be careful when you, when you do that. It's, you have to be careful how you use that. 
So speaking, speaking of weird things, uh, you know, it? I got weird questions all the time. People come in the store and they ask me stuff, and this lady came in, she was really sheepish, and she said, you know, I saw something just really weird, and I don't know, you know, and she described what ultimately turned out to be what's commonly called the flicker dance, or wicker dance, where flickers, in this case, landed on a railing, and they kind of faced, they stared at each other, and then, like somebody played music, they both started dancing, and like mirror images of each other, they started swaying back and forth, and they do that, they like, they, they bob their head, and then it's almost like a, like shadow boxing with their beaks, like a, like a, uh, a sword fight, you know, they're going yeah. back and forth with their beaks, and it's a it's a dance. It's like a scene from West Side Story where they just kind of go back and forth and back and forth. And it's kind of a bit of a turf battle. Usually it's the same sexes, so it could be two males or two females in which they'll land. And maybe uh, a, a, a new male or female has entered the territory, and, and they, the, the resident bird wants nothing to do with it. Usually it's around the nesting tree, and, and they just kind of face off. And then they do this kind of weird dance. And you can see, especially now in the spring, it's kind of kind of cool. And then if they got really fired up, then they start calling with that wicker, wicker, flicker call. And um, usually they get a little bit closer and a little closer, and the sword fight gets more intense. And then eventually, typically, one bird backs off. And if one of the one of the two don't back off, then they can actually get into a little bit of a scuffle. But mm-hmm. usually one bird will back off. And it happens around the territory. It happens in the defense of a mate. But this is the time of year... Where you're going to see that, and they call it the wicker or flicker dance, which is kind of a kind of a cool choreography, choreography style bird uh, territory defense. Now, of course, also the flickers are uh, have another way of announcing their territory, and they start drumming. And right now, they're going to start drumming on our houses and our chimney caps and on our rain gutters. So get ready for that excitement too, especially around sunrise. That phrase "deep rear end" might somehow play into it. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Mike. All right, we'll talk to you next talk week. To right? Next week. All right. The northern flicker is such a cool bird to look at, so all the more reason to watch it and see if it uh, does that flicker or wicker dance. Maria Inez Phillips talks about not recycling. I've got too many newspapers and magazines and catalogs in there with plastic containers and bottles and cans. Your trash can is full of recyclables? No, it's full of trash. You say trash, Maria. I say rubbish. Whatever it is, I'm not going through it. I just don't get it. Some things are very obvious, Maria. Learn the difference between trash and recycling and more. I put out way too much trash to think about recycling. Visit yougottobekidding.org today. Back here at the Mystery Bird Contest, here's a bird that makes a kind of a strange sound. A small marsh dweller with a triangular body shape. And yes... The deep rear end, that's what the Cornell Lab folks say. It has a mostly slate gray body with a brownish back and tail, a short yellow bill, um, and a black face. That would be our mystery bird. Uh, what is it? We have that whole stack of prizes here, including the Droll Yankees double suet feeder, the Audubon Park no-mess patio blend, five and a half pounds worth, and a download of the LarkWire app to make learning bird sounds a game. 781-837-4900 is the number, and we have Ezekiel in Leesport, Pennsylvania. Good morning, Ezekiel. Hi, Ray. Good morning. Well, the way I figure it, Ezekiel, if you're Ezekiel and you're calling from Leesport, Pennsylvania, chances are pretty good that you are the the new Talking Birds ambassador that we welcomed this morning. Yeah, that'd be right. (laughs) Well, thank you again, uh, for that, thank you, and thanks for uh, for calling in and 
uh, taking part in the Mystery Bird Contest. Let's see how uh, that works out. You heard the description and uh, and uh, the sound of the bird. What, what do you say, Ezekiel? I'm going with the Sora Rail. The Sora Rail sounds like a heck of a good guess and a perfect ID, as a matter of fact. Yeah. Uh, have you noticed the deep rear end on the Sora Rail? Never you, if you've seen it. I have not. <laughs> All right. Something to look for this spring. Tell us a little bit about uh, Leesport and birding out there. Uh, well, it's a small town. It's about an hour northwest of Philly. I haven't gone birding much, but there are bald eagles in the area, which is pretty cool. Nice. And what a comeback uh, they have made. Ezekiel, thank you so much. Thanks again for becoming an ambassador, and uh, congratulations. And uh, we'll get, uh, uh, well, we'll confirm your address, and we'll we'll send out those prizes to you. All right. Thank you so much. All right. Thank you, Ezekiel. Out there in uh, Leesport, Pennsylvania, correctly identifying the Sora, or the Sora Rail, as our mystery bird uh, on our show this morning. By the way, a group of soras is collectively known as an ache, an expression, or a whinny of soras. That's our show for this morning. Thanks to Mark Duffield and Debbie Bleacher and our engineer, Jesse Wilkins. I'm Ray Brown. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week. Ray Brown's Talking Birds. Made possible by the generous support of the Birdwatchers General Store. Orleans Cape Cod. Birdwatchersgeneralstore.com. By L.L. Bean. Inspiring you to get outdoors. LLBean.com. By Celestron. Offering binoculars and scopes for birders of all levels. Celestron.com. And by Birds and Beans Shade Grown Bird Friendly Coffee. Birdsandbeans.com. 